This is Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. bonus tracks listener comments and outtakes i'm eric paul johnson and i'm eric winsenson and this is a bonus tracks episode of the podcast what we're going to do when we finish covering an album we'll do a bonus tracks episode and what that is is we'll read comments that people have left about the episodes about that album we'll play any messages that come in through the telephone line voicemail oh and what's that number six two three eight five oh three three seven five call now and we'll play outtakes from the commentaries that we made about the songs from the album we just covered so let's get right into it and just rip into the facebook comments those letters i love those letters I thought this was supposed to be boner tracks. <laughs> well, I've you... got a bun- I've got a bunch of heavy bass and wah wah guitar just fixed up and ready to go here, and you're and all of a sudden it's bonus. Well, maybe when we do special episodes for our Patreon site, which I'm still trying to figure out what kind of rewards to set up, we could do a special podcast about that porn movie that features the ELO songs, <laughs> and then there's your boner tracks episode i'll let you watch that uh, mm, thanks a lot yeah that way uh, madeline can ask you questions <laughs> as if i already <laughs> you know wasn't choking she walks in <laughs> yeah as if i already wasn't choking enough on my own spring congestion yeah so every week i posted links to each new episode on facebook groups about podcasting and elo and jeff lynn and roy wood and anything at all that would be related to the show so that I could dupe in more people to listen. And they listened, like, a lot. When I checked last night, Wednesday at, like, 3 a.m., we had somewhere around 1,700 listens to the shows so far. Really? Yeah, I was kind of shocked, too. And if I can get this thing on iTunes, then the numbers will probably really go up. But these are the comments that people have left. And we're starting with the first episode, which was about 105.38 Overture. Corey Sklan, and I am going to get so many people's names wrong, so be nice. Don't stop listening, because I'm a doofus who can't figure out your names. Nice man, that kid. Just a little on the dumb side. Anyways, the list starts with Corey Sklan. And he wrote, wait, what? I'm, I'm guessing it's a good thing, like, oh, cool, an ELO podcast. And then we had Zach Mummert, who said, this is great. <laughs> Mike, I'm going to say Mike, because the way this is formatted (laughs) in my open office notes, it's like lopped off part of his last name. He wrote, Hell yeah, more obsessive podcasts about extremely specific things. Let's do Bud's Geek Review Podcasts. Dork. Geeks? It sounds like he's known us all his life. Yeah. I don't know if that's supposed to be a compliment or what. 
I'll take it as a compliment, which means it becomes a compliment. So thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Scott Seguin says, holy feces, count me in. Well, he said a different word than feces, but everybody gets the idea. Scott C. Jarzombeck? Scott says, Christ, this is beautiful. Not something I would listen to, but God f***ing bless. Adam Stab Belly. <laughs> I think it's actually just Stabelli, but I Probably, just had to yeah. pronounce it that way. <laughs> yeah. I hope the show will be on iTunes soon. Well, so do we. Yeah, I've been working on it. I've been trying to, anyway. The reason is a little too tedious to go into here in the podcast, but in the reply section to this episode, I'll post the reasons that I think is the issue. What I would like to do is set the show up on Podbean. I've already done that, but the amount of space they give you for free, one episode of our show takes all that up. So, for another $100 a year, I could get unlimited space. And whenever I come up with a spare hundred dollars, I will buy that unlimited space, load the rest of the show on Podbean, and then get that RSS feed to iTunes, and then it goes from there. This next comment is from Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And this one I thought was pretty cool, because unlike most of my ideas, which I just pull out of my nose, the ELO podcast, it's sprung from them. Every week they discuss an episode of Star Trek. I've listened to the show ever since their very first episode, and they go in broadcast order. In, in November, they were talking about an episode of The Next Generation, and they made a reference to Electric Light Orchestra. A running joke on the show is that when they start to drift off from the subject of Star Trek, they say, okay, we'll get back to that in when we start doing our podcast about moonlighting or super train or or Kolchak. and then this episode they said we'll tell we'll talk about that when we get to our electric light orchestra podcast and that's when i thought w- why don't i do that you're a genius so when we posted the first episode about 10538 overture i posted on their facebook page hey you know what you said in november about elo well, we took your idea and turned it into a podcast. And instead of deleting it as spam, which I was afraid they might do, which it wasn't, I just wanted to let them know, hey, you see what you guys did? They instead wrote, wait, no way. This is fantastic. Can't wait to give this a listen. Well, doesn't that make you feel dandy? I haven't heard back from them since, so I just, you know. I, don't <laughs> I know guess they, they probably gave it a listen, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this next comment that Eric's going to read is from the Podbean page, where we only have the one episode so far. Mike Staffcroft says, The riff in the song is the hook. Original production sounds harsh and underwhelming. However, it got me right from the start. Keep going, guys. You should be doing this once a week for about 200 years. (laughs) Well, well good. luckily That's... we decided to do ELO and not Frank Zappa, so we should actually probably finish up ELO within a year or so, I would think. Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, Frank Zappa. I mean, he put like put out like six albums a month for 30 years. Yeah, plus all the material that didn't get put out on album at the time. Yeah. 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 Next are comments about when Nellie Takes Her Bow was posted. Alan Walker wrote, Very good points, though the complaints about the sound of the vocals and piano I disagree with. I personally think they have an interesting character. 
but the track does suffer from why'd they have to add that syndrome, invariably explained by the assumption that they were catering to the experimental progressive rock aesthetic. I know I can say it, it's just when I see it, it hits me like, oh, I gotta say that right, aesthetic, aesthetic, popular at the time. I'd often been tempted to edit some of Len's contributions on this album to the essential elements. As, as, as someone who likes to play with audio, now you've put the bug in my head. Is that why you were fiddling around with Marston Moore the other night? That will come up. That will come up in this episode. Simon Arnold. It's a great album. The God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen bit is very good. Why edit something by JL? Jeff Lynn, of course. No point. And Adam Walker said, I enjoy it a lot too, but sometimes you just want to hear the tune. Simon Arnold Stravinsky was used on the early material. Alan oh, Stravinsky Walker. was used on the early material. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. The way it's formatted here, it just looked like it was his full name going, hey, cool, his name is Stravinsky, just like the... Oh. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Alan Walker replied, they nicked a lot of short classical themes. The band, yes, did this too. It was a way of appropriating classicalism into their concept. The string players contributed a lot of instrumental ideas to their earlier incarnations of ELO 2 and ELO on the Third Day. I'm especially fond of those two albums. You do hear occasionally classical uh, references in Yes, but you hear it a lot more in ELO or ELP because they were going for that. Yes, you'll hear a lot more jazz references than you will classical a lot. I can see that. Your musical expert is on the air. Mike Burnett. If you can find the Fox piano cover of this song, it may cast a light on how bad a review these guys give. <laughs> Good God, it's bad. He is right. It is like a knockoff of Elton John singing the song poorly. Makes Jeff's version sound even better. With the mighty power of hindsight, I'm sure Jeff would have produced this differently now. But without this development in the early years, we may not have had the ELO as we know it now. Probably my favorite tune from this album. So massively biased is how so I think massively. he was phrasing. Yeah. So um, I actually like that Fox piano cover. I didn't think it was that bad. I think they kind of wasted some time trying to still put in that middle part because they could have just skipped that because uh, even though I, I still like that middle part on the actual song, uh, doing a cover of it is something you can really just skip over. Yeah, I still haven't listened to that Fox Piano version yet. So this is a comment from Stitcher, our Stitcher page, and it's from Horace Wimp. Love it. This is the ELO podcast I've been waiting for. Informational and fun. I think God, the dream came true. <laughs> I take it he might be one of the bigger fans. I, if he's going by the name Horace Wimp, I'm thinking yeah. Definitely. MJ Fuldus, uh, glad I found you again. You've got a stalker. I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. the first episode on Podbean and assumed you hadn't gotten time to do more. Glad I double-checked and found you had a few more episodes elsewhere. Looking forward to catching up. Okay, now caught up with all but one. Really enjoying them. I nearly fainted when the little girl finally didn't hate one of the tunes. I first heard the early stuff back when I was on my uni course. Back at uni, I saw Electric Light Orchestra, the gold collection in our local music shop and thought, ooh, I should buy that. Thus began some, oh, okay, this is different from the smooth hits. But as my CD collection was still in its infancy and I was a poor student, I gave it lots of listens and grew to really like these early curios. 
Oh, and I get what you mean with the scraping cellos. But I quite like the scraping, stabbing cellos. Smiley face. <laughs> I knew what Bev thought about Marston Moore as I, also at uni, found his ELO book in a second-hand store. Lovely. In one day, I am all caught up with your episodes. Huzzah! Really quite interesting stuff. But this analysis stuff is totally my thing. I didn't know British people actually did say huzzah. I thought that was something they slapped us for saying if they ever heard it. <laughs> well, like in in Old England Town, which we will get to in next podcast, like you say, America just kind of invaded and took over the cultures of everything. That's true. At least he didn't say dilly dilly. <laughs> yeah. Alan Walker said, What I love about the first album is that you can still hear Jeff's earlier vocal style that you'd hear during the Move and Knight Rider's years. His voice got much more bold and gravelly after this. Interesting to hear his lighter singing style return in his recent studio and live work. Pam uh, from Virginia. I think that's what she's saying. She's from Virginia. No, no, no. Pam I think Roy contributed to the production of this album as much as Jeff did, and therefore to its ruination. Anyway... You can certainly hear the huge difference in production after Roy left. Okay, so 105.38 Overture, so far as our most listened to episode. Last I checked, it's like 350-something listens. And Marston Moore would be next in line. It's, I think it was around 200 listens, and it got the most reactions from people. Nobody really like. well, most people really hate this song. Well, people like to look at a car wreck, so that's why everybody was probably waiting to see. Let's see how these people destroy this. How can we look away from this train wreck? Exactly. Dory Ezra said, Somewhat agree. It was after all from the first album, which was somewhat still experimenting with the new group and sound of ELO with Roy Wood in the band. I think they were still running the move simultaneously, as California Man charted around the same time in Britain as late as 1972 as a new single release. Yeah, Split Ends came out, which was uh, the American kind of sewn-together last move album came out about the same time that the first Electric Light Orchestra album came out. And that was one that had California Man and Duya and uh, Chinatown over here basically sewn together a couple of move albums with a lot of singles. Yeah, at least in America. I think No Answer was released in like or I'm sorry, Electric Light Orchestra in England was released in like December 71 and an America No Answer was came out I think maybe March 72 and I'm pretty sure yeah. Split Ends came out in, in 72 also. Yeah, I believe it came out in 72. Yeah. And Andre Torok, surely Manhattan Rumble surpasses it. And no. I mean, not crazy, but... being good, yes. Uh, uh, there you go, yes. David K. Yep, one of the few ELO tracks that I skip. Charlie Diamond. I have to agree. I cringe listening to it sometimes, but I appreciate it because it's part of ELO history and their early experimentation. It definitely serves as an example of experimentation. Experimentation of, certain, of some kind or other, yes. Yes. Andrew McLean said... Classic Roy Wood at his experimental best. Man, I really dig that acid rock. Barry Schaefer says, I happen to love both songs. Great instrumentals. However, I could do without Roy's spoken intro. I wish you could just shut your big yapper! Darren Graham, nah, I actually love it. Robert Henderson says, got to agree. Even Bev refused to drum on that dire track. The fuck more than anything that I've ever fucked before. Nicholas Sadlier. 
Sadly, air, I never thought I'd call an ELO song, and I use the word with poetic license, a load of old cobblers. Oh, God, this sucks. I don't think that's a compliment. <laughs> I don't think so either. Graham Barker, you've got to make a few stinkers to make the others look good. Possibly the ultimate and crazy experimental fun at the time. Roy and Jeff probably had so much going on in their heads. Crazy times. There's definitely so much going on. It's way, 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 way out there. Paul Freethy, I like Marston more. Send It, probably the worst. Send It is the last song on Balance of Power, which came out in 86. Ah, okay, so that makes sense. That actually makes sense. Okay. David Whitbird said, Marston Moore is ELO's Revolution Number no. 9. A stinker. I just makes me sick to my stomach. Well, I will give at least to ELO, at least to Marston Moore, there's a tune or tunes in it. Whereas Revolution 9, I... It, there's nothing in it to get my toe tapping. Neil Madley says, groundbreaking and very medieval. Well, that's true. Lisa Collins, not a favorite. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Well, Maxine Williams, I never thought we could actually get women to listen to us. That's <laughs> first, first for everything in this world. Maxine Williams, it is a pretty awful song. So glad Jeff didn't pen this one. Alan Walker, would have been more appropriate for Jerry Lewis to do the narration. Then we would have assumed correctly that we were being punted. Well, oh to, God, I, don't... I know what you're up to now. I now, now you know it. what you're up to. <laughs> you wanted a Jerry Lewis imitator, and you were trying to fiddle, fiddle around with vocals yesterday with the <laughs> Marston Moore. Alan, that is an excellent idea. And what we want to do here at Face the Music is make our listeners happy. So, <laughs> here you go. It's another instant request! Paid a guy five bucks on Fiverr to imitate Jerry Lewis since I don't do voices. So, <laughs> so there you go, Alan. Your song touched me in a way I've never felt before. And which way did it can? That's ah, reminding me that I should get on Fiverr and offer things. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Pay me five bucks, I won't get naked on the bus. I try that. I just get arrested. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Well, you weren't supposed to do it whether they paid you the five bucks or not. I thought I'd give them, you know, a little sample. I, maybe I shouldn't have said little sample. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds a little ineffectual, doesn't it? Billy Cummings, when you are at a party and someone says to you, Hey man, let me tell you, I listen to some really weird and far out music. When you think of Battle of Marston Moore and you think to yourself, Oh no, you don't, <laughs> pal. <laughs> um, Battle of Marston Moore isn't really that far out music. I don't know. But well, but yeah, then 
Well, I, I don't think you're going to do an entire Mersbo uh, <laughs> podcast with me of Japanese harsh noise. Uh, well, yeah. 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 So. My fiance, one of her co-workers, listened to a few episodes of our show. He had no idea who ELO was. And I told my fiance, he does, he just doesn't know it. But he said, this stuff is weird. And it's like, yeah, the early stuff gets pretty odd sometimes. It's way, 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 way out there. Oh, oh. See, everybody's banging on this song. We didn't like it. And uh, apparently we upset somebody. Tim Emmerich said, This song is a masterpiece. You know what's a stinker? A person who thinks if something is bad for themselves, it is bad for everyone. On the other hand, a song could sound truly dissatisfying to many, but if it touches a small handful of people, even one, then it is good. It's funny to read opinions about things from people who don't know what these songwriters do. Work with what they had to work with. You know the saying, if you can do a better job yourself, put your money where your mouth is. I'm sorry, but I am angry! Well, at least in our show, we said we didn't like it, but I'm pretty sure we didn't say nobody else should listen to it either. That's true. And we never said we could do anything better. <laughs> I've tried. If we could do it better, we wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'd be uh, making a whole lot more money than this. Well, it's music, so no, probably we wouldn't. Yeah unfortunately yeah if you knew better for yourself put your money where your mouth is well I've tried to put my money where my mouth is I've recorded some albums I've done some songs um, I did one song that sounds uh, there was a very secret messages time ELOE influence on it uh, I'll, I'll play it I'll play a little bit of a segment of it No, I would not say that I could ever be better than Jeff, or even Roy, even on this song. But uh, I've tried. No, I didn't do better. But, you know, everybody who's working in music and gets a, a fat paycheck from it doesn't hit gold all the time. Just go through the Paul McCartney discography. As much as I love him, I still don't understand why Seamoon exists. It's pretty stupid! And being able to touch a handful of people, that's not always a good thing. That's it, that, that will also get you kicked off the bus, as I know from experience. That man is weird! So we move on to first movement, Jumpin' Biz. And in that ah. episode, I asked if Jeff Lynne had ever had a job. And I wasn't knocking a music career. That is a job. But I'm talking about a job where people don't applaud for you when you show up and don't throw millions of dollar checks at you to do your job. Or when you go to work, when you go up there for people to see you, they don't flash your boobs and want to have sex with you. So I'm talking about like a standard issue job. Well, all they do is tell their children not to uh, quit school when they don't know that you have a college degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Pam wrote, oh, and this one's for Eric to read. Yep. Pam uh, is back again, says, Jeff got out of school at 15. He had many jobs up to the point when he joined the Knight Riders in 1966 at age 18. He worked variously as an office assistant, laborer, factory worker, and other manual jobs, none of which he held much longer than a month, primarily because he didn't show up for them very often. <laughs> he needed the money to pay his parents' rent. Which, uh, hey, even though he didn't show up very often paying your parents' rent, good on you. He's, uh, 
he he was a good kid. Yep. So uh, next up, Manhattan Rumble. Lori Balcom wrote, "Well, it was interesting, different for sure. I like the classic Jeff and ELO." And MJ Fuldis says, "Great episode. There is something that does remind me of New York in the instrumentation. Cannot put my finger on it." It must borrow from associated tunes connected to that city. It has been so long since I have since I gave it a listen that I assumed Wood had written it. So much interesting stuff going on in this song. I adore Jeff's music now, but don't you wish he would have a go at something like this now? Some fun experimenting. Well, yeah, I like the song, and yeah, that one vocal part out of there, I don't know if we mentioned it in the podcast, that was uh, a song with Billy Murray in it. Yes, um, in the uh, outtakes, we said I said it was uh, Duke Ellington, but it actually goes back further than that, and I, it was another Duke Ellington song I was thinking of. Back to the 20s, probably even further, but Billy yeah, Murray... It's, it's from the early 20s, and it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, one of Billy Murray's last big hit songs. If you don't know who Billy Murray is, he was probably the biggest-selling recording artist when recording artists first became a thing. And unfortunately, his his voice was very good for projecting from a vaudeville stage or doing acoustic recordings, but as soon as the electronic recording came along... Uh, vocal styles changed, and unfortunately, like most people who rise to fame early, he died in poverty in the 40s. He was a huge star in the 1900s and teens and, and some of the 20s, and it's just kind of sad that once the electronic recording came in, he was kind of phased out. He did do some stuff in the 30s, and I think maybe even made it, did some recordings in the 50s. No, he, he died in the 40s. 40s? Okay, so maybe yeah. he did something in the 40s. But yeah, it's it's just weird how people can be that huge and then disappear, not only within their lifetime, but as huge as he was back then, no, no, nobody knows who Billy Murray is. Although, much like ELO, people have heard his stuff. they sing songs all the time. If they're playing some old-timey record as part of a, a documentary or something, if you've heard Over There, then there's... It's a good chance that it's the one that Billy Murray did. Yeah, have you heard Over There or K- 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 Katie or... In My Merry Oldsmobile, those are all... Oh, yes, that one too. All Billy Murray. Oh, and if you would like to learn more about Billy Murray, please check out cylinders.library.ucsb.edu. It's got 7,000 cylinder, cylinder records that are free to download because they're all well past the copyright expiration date. And there's a ton of Billy Murray there, and it's it's fun to go through records that are 100 and 120 years old. Definitely. It's even more fun to buy them. The, yeah. <laughs> I just wish I had something to play them on. We move on to Whisper in the Night, the last song on the album. Tim Sh- Oh, poor Tim. Schwertfeger. Schwertfeger. Tim. Tim S. I love it. I think I made that abundantly clear. Craig A. Shaquan. Well, to each their own. Regarding their opinion of ELO's debut album, I absolutely loved it, and I rate it among my favorite of theirs. Wondering if it's Chicchione or Chicoin? I don't know. I'm going with. I was going with the French. Yeah, or, or kind of French or Italian. Yeah, I'm clearly in the minority of 
people who think I, I don't absolutely love it. I'm okay with it, but I'm not uh, crazy about the album. I still think it's a solid album. It's just, there are a few songs on there that throw it off, but it's, for the most part, really not bad. Yeah, MJ Foldes, or Folds, or Fouls. It's a good thing he's a super fan. We're not going to alienate him by mispronouncing his name. <laughs> Listen to and enjoyed the last episode. Such a wonderful song. A great one for Roy to bow out on. I once taped it on a compilation for an ex. She said it sounded like something her granddad would listen to. But, wow, she liked it. Glad you were doing an episode about the bonus material. Good work. Another letter from our listeners. Okay, so moving on, these are the outtakes from our commentary. I hate long podcasts that drone on uh, for hour and a half, two hours, whatever. So that's why I like that our podcast is compact, 15, 10 minutes. But sometimes our discussions go on for 15 minutes or longer. And it, it, there needs to be some trimming. So if we divert from the subject or kind of say sort of the same thing, I lop it out. But they're not gone forever. I save everything. And we'll play the outtakes. This is from our episode about Look At Me Now. I like Roy Wood. I wouldn't say I'm a big fan, but I like him. And I will give Roy Wood credit for this. I was 15 when I bought this album, and of course I used to radio uh, in the late 70s, 80s, where things were much smoother and produced slicker. And So I was used to, to that kind of stuff. And when I heard, like, first heard The Move and this Roy Wood stuff from ELO and this early ELO, I was, um, it's like, it was like somebody just ripped a really bad onion dip fart. I was just, oh, oh, ow, this is no. But over time, it hit me that a song doesn't have to be really nicely produced and sound so clean and smooth for it to be good. I like this one, but I'm not crazy about it. But there's like there which before this I would have just been, I, no, that's, this isn't going to happen. Go, go away with this song. Yeah, I think that's the problem is that this was basically a move side project at this particular point. This is from Nelly Takes Her Bow. For the most part, throughout their career, Bev Bevan isn't given much to do except keep time. And he actually gets a chance to uh, show up and do something on this song. As for Bev Bevan, mm, yeah. I mean, he did get to do something on Drum Dreams, which is a, a Xanadu B-side. And then he did have a solo 45 back in 76, uh, Let There Be Drums. And I don't remember what the, the B-side was, but Let There Be Drums was the be the A-side. So he does get to do something there. But yeah, not many Bev Bevan drum solos in ELO. Electric Light Orchestra has almost always been Jeff Lynne and uh, everybody else playing session musicians, so... It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's been, well, he, he does write, produce, play a lot of the instruments on the songs. So yeah, ELO has sort of just pretty much been a Jeff Lynne thing, and everybody else is just here for the for the job, I, I guess. Right. I mean, I hate to... That's why he is completely at fault <laughs> for ruining <laughs> what could have been the best song on the album. I mean, I don't want to knock Tandy or Bevan or the other people who are perfectly fine magici magicians. And musicians, maybe they have some magic career, I don't know. But yeah, it's kind of, I'm Jeff Lynn. here's my song, here's how we're going to do it, and let's do this. This is from Battle of Marston Moor, with Ticket to the Moon, or Need Her Love, 
there's also Battle of Marston Moor. Because, I mean, with a lot of bands... Like Beatles or Bare Naked Lady, sure their songs were different from their first album compared to like most recent or last, but you can still, I can hear Beatles in that, or Bare Naked Ladies, or Weird Al. But in battle, it's just kind of funny how I, 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 I can't hear a trace of ELO in it. I think okay. that's all I got on it. That's all I've got on it, too. We're going to flip the record over next week and get started with First Movement. Yeah, I'm good with that. This is from the episode about first movement jumping biz. And uh, I would have been more used to being exposed to John Denver at that point, I think. <laughs> yeah, let's see, uh, 72, yeah, I would, oh, was Lobo out by then? Me and you and a dog named Boo and stuff like that. Uh, oh, God, yes. Yeah, yeah, I was, I remember being crazy about that song when I was five <laughs> and didn't know better. Even though it sounds like another great song, but hey, yeah. Mason Williams then did a version of Green Sleeves that sounded like classical gas, so can't really rag on Jeff Lynne too much for that. There you go. Jonathan Brammeyer, a DJ nobody knows about, once accused Willie DeLune, another DJ who worked with Brammeyer but went off and did his own thing. Brammeyer said, hey, stop stealing my stuff. And Willie DeLune said, hey, I only steal from the best. So Roy Wood <laughs> stole, borrowed from a good song, so... I don't blame him. I'd do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's called sampling these days. Right. Yes. He sampled. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Until next time, what's next week's song? I believe it is Mr. Radio. Ah, excellent. Mm -hmm. yep. So we'll get into the failed second single from the <laughs> album. But everybody seems to like this song, so we'll see what it is, what, how it is. Here's some outtakes from Mr. Radio. It sounds very do-it-yourself. It didn't... At the time, I don't think that... I know that the move, from what I've read, the move was pretty big in England. Over here in America, if you said the move, I'm sure people would have said, sure, I'll be there. What time do you want me to help you with the move? <laughs> exactly. Um, except for maybe the avant-garde hippies who are into the, the psychedelic stuff that nobody else knows, the uh, the cooler dudes. Except for Yeah, except for the album Split Ends, for the most part. You yeah. had to get this stuff as an import. You had to go into your record store, say, hey... Uh, can you uh, order this for me so I can have it in about two or three weeks? Yeah, yeah. Do you? They started to make more noise here. But yeah, from what I've read in England, they were big. So I guess they put a, could have said, hey, would you like to join us on our, our cool album idea project that we have? But the the whole thing sounds very do-it-yourself. We're just... By the, time, by the time they're doing it on this album, there's already been a number of bands that have done it and done it better. So it it doesn't surprise me that after this they went for a more um combination of pop and classical rather than trying to go straight progressive a lot of times even though well when we get to El Dorado I'll be raving about that thing the whole way through so yeah and there used to, there used to be a podcast that I listened to it was Mash and like every single episode they said they loved the show but every single episode they said they hated it and I stopped listening to it because I got sick of listening to them say, oh, I hate this show. Everybody out there, just stick with us. Once we get past this album, I'll be raving a lot. It's just tough for me to get through this album. Now, one thing I am noticing, like I said, I am noticing the uh, difference between the two sides, which is something that I've noticed with a lot of bands that are just forming, 
and because it sounds like side one was let's throw it against the screen door see what <laughs> sticks yeah and then this is hey uh we could actually do something musical with this yeah I, yeah no i could definitely see side one being the screen door and side two being scraping off the screen door that didn't fly through the little holes and saying let's make something good out of what's stuck there right yeah okay well we're going into a rumble and or manhattan rumble or something like that next week something like that yeah but it's more jeff lynn so we can probably look forward to it without any uh problem i'm sure well it's where i'm pretty sure it's where he would because on the album it was like a jeff song roy song jeff song roy song I, huh. mr well, radio Wikipedia was, was saying it was jeff lynn we'll hmm? see but instrumental Roy Wood so far, other than Battle of Marston Moore, has really turned out to be pretty good anyway, so. Yeah, so far he's 50-50. First movement, yeah, that was, I really dug that. Battle of Marston Moore, I, well, he it's tried. There. He gets a participation trophy. Yes, yes, he gets yeah. a little <laughs> little participation trophy. Good, good try, but. Hope we didn't turn him into a snowflake there. <laughs> no. I don't think so. I think I could, uh, I think Roy Wood gives the appearance that he could kick your ass if he needed to. Oh, wait, we did turn him into a snowflake. He did that wizard song. Uh, <laughs> oh, Christmas every day. <laughs> I wish okay. it could be Christmas every day. Lots of yeah. snowflakes. But anyway, I think that's it for this one. Yep. I think I've stammered enough. And here are some outtakes from Manhattan Rumble. Clap hands, because here comes Charlie. Ah, those are the lyrics. Hmm. Wonder if Charlie is a member of the Jets. I, 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 I don't know. See, I thought, because isn't that the, um, a Duke Ellington, <laughs> isn't that a Duke Ellington song, I think? Clap hands, here comes Charlie. Yeah, it might be. I'd have to look it up. Keep in mind, I'm only in the B section of my collection at the moment with my archiving, and uh, I have bought a bunch of Duke Ellington stuff uh, over the last few years. I just haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, I know it was a hit sometime in the, I think, early 50s. Um, pretty sure it was Ellington. Could have been somebody else, but I don't think I need to ramble on more about that since it's an Ellington po- an ELO podcast, not an Ellington podcast. It's not really that bad of an album. It's actually not too bad. Yeah, well, I think the reason everybody rates it a bit higher is because a lot of times it is what you leave your audience with. It's not where you... I mean, you start strong, and you have to end strong. Anything else in the middle, as long as you got a strong ending, a lot of times people will forgive some of the garbage that you have throwing... they have swirling around there in the middle. Yeah, and they're... Yeah, yeah pre- president, presidents, actors, everything. You look at their careers. People remember if they ended strong, they remember a good strong ending. If they did something really stupid, that's all anybody remembers. Even though they've done so much good stuff in their entire career, mm-hmm. they do one bad thing, and that's what everybody remembers. Yeah, it has to be a real bad thing. I mean, the Beatles. Everybody's always the Beatles were perfect. They did everything right. But um, I have to. You know, ask these people, did you ever hear the John Lennon song that starts with the John Lennon Beatles song that starts with I love you, woo, 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 woo. (laughs) Just every time, 
I've heard him sing that. I'm like, uh, really? That's, yeah. And it's not really one of my favorite Beatles songs anymore. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've gone, I've gone around and around with, how, with uh, the fact that Magical Mystery Tour is really not that good of an album. But, <laughs> even though it's highly, it's, it's highly it's, influential in what we're listening to at the moment. <laughs> well, yes, it is. I mean, I always, I Am the Walrus has always been one of my favorite Beatles songs. One of the Beatles songs that I've always hated since I first heard it in 1984 is and has been and still is Baby, You're a Rich Man. I just, I just can't stand that one. Um, I like it, but yeah, there's some parts in there that yeah, there's some parts in there that they mumble towards the end that are not exactly politically correct anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's just I, I didn't really like the music of it, and I didn't like the oboe, the Indian blowy snake charmer. Oh, instrument in it. I just I didn't I didn't really like it so much. Yeah, but. It spurred stuff like this, and I've always thought ELO is basically about what uh, Beatles would have sounded like if they had continued without John, if it had just been <laughs> Paul, uh, George, Ringo, studio musicians, and probably Denny Lane. He probably still would have dragged Denny Lane along, but yeah. he need, he needed some work after 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 uh, disappearing after the Moody first Moody Blues album. Yeah, well... But, uh, yeah, Yellow was a good extension of, of the Beatles and of that sound, but um, I think we're starting to actually see it come together here. Yeah. Well, John Lennon did say that uh, he thought ELO was what the Beatles would have sound, sounded like if they had continued on. So, right there you go. Okay, well, we're going to continue on to Queen of the Hours for next week. We're almost through the album. Yep. And uh, hopefully no more porn. Oh, no. You know, they nabbed little bits and pieces and stuck them in that movie from each ELO album up until that point. So it's probably going to come up again. This is from our talk about Queen of the Hours. Yeah, maybe that's why it's kind of like, oh, I kind of maybe like the melody. Maybe it's pulling from a song that I know, but I can't quite figure out what song this is from. Afternoon Delight? Starlight uh, Vocal no. Band, maybe? No, Afternoon Delight would have caused another monitor to be lost. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. you like that song. <laughs> hey, I hate myself for liking that song. I wish I didn't. It's such a stupid song. And John Denver's know. even written much better stuff than that. I, Come on. Hey, and that's that's one of his worst songs ever. I know. <laughs> he didn't even, it was so bad he didn't record it as far as I know. I I was 7. I didn't know better. I feel like Charles in that episode of MASH where he just keeps laughing at that stupid rotten bad comedian with the traveling USO show. Why am I laughing at this? This is terrible. And yet I I know it's a terrible song. It's stupid. It's so fluffy and la la and it's it's just a Twinkie with with no cake and all fluff. And yet stop it, stop liking it. Huh, I'm glad probably the worst thing I like is Final Countdown. <laughs> At least that song has some balls to it. <laughs> Especially the Leibach version. But anyway, back yeah. to uh, Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, we're going to give Queen of the Hours its due, well, much more than its due, and go on to finish up this album with Whisper in the Night. Which I actually like this song, that song. So 
Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to hearing Roy Wood firing on all cylinders instead of <laughs> sputtering along. Yeah, yeah. We're almost through this, and then the, the sputtering will stop. Well, except for... Well, I'll have some... I'll have some comments about a few songs on the next album, believe me. Yeah. No, I, I have some too, but at least yeah. it's... The sputtering is... Is getting less sputtery? <laughs> That's true. We'll get there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And finally, here are a few outtakes from Whisper in the Night. Well, I don't think there are any more Roy Wood songs on further Yellow albums, are there? What? Kinda sorta, which we'll get to in the next album, but it's, uh, he hasn't completely stepped out just yet. Okay. I know he was, I know they did kind of a live thing with him, but, uh, before, before he, uh, took off on his, on his own to go do Wizard. Looking like, yeah, kind of him looking like Gandalf, from what I can, uh, tell from the photos and everything. Well, yeah, there's a video of it. And uh, it's just, you know, the band on stage, probably a TV show or something, and they're playing it. And yeah, he really, he's got the long white hair, the long, big bushy beard, little tiny glasses. And also in that video, playing with the band, is Richard Tandy, who, I guess, played shows with them before becoming an official member, starting the, the second album. Okay. Yeah. Well, that I should actually probably watch the video because I just saw some pictures of it and everything. Didn't che- didn't check it out because I wanted to hear the actual studio version. Yeah. And this is my second favorite song on the album. Well, now well, now uh, we're gonna get next starting next week. We're gonna get into where our opinions differ widely because uh, I think the second and third albums are two of the worst ELO albums around. So. I thought they took. Uh, a, I thought they took a while to actually. Again, after this one, took a while to actually get me. back on track a bit. Until they found their what an e, what an orchestra should sound like, and not just cello heavy. Right. I'm on to uh, Electric Light Orchestra Part Two. No, 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 no! Don't, 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 don't! No, no, we're not going to go there. Let's just pretend that Electric Light Orchestra Part Two thing didn't happen. We're just going to go to Electric Electric Light Orchestra Two. The album, not the not not the sad Bev Bevan attempt to keep ELO going. Before I close out this extended episode, I want to give thanks to Cav Jones for the music bed used during the comments section, and to Marty Griffin, who provided the Jerry Lewis voice. You can find him on Fiverr under the name Griffin Vopro. Now if you missed it, it was in episode 001. 10538 Overture, where I explained why Madeline is here. And that is because for ELO to continue, it must hook a generation of younger listeners. And they will continue to listen to and spread the word of ELO for at least another 80 to 100 years. And there's no better representative for the future of humanity than my six and a half year old stepdaughter, Madeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. That's that stupid. Yeah. Hi, Annie, but I'm dead. Dead.
When it's dust crack. When it all in all in your When it all When it all I hate it as a butt I hate it I hate it. Okay. I hate it. La 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 la. I hate it so much as a butt Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I love you and me. What did you think of the song? Um, it was funny. Did you like it? Yes. I like it because it's funny, 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 funny. It's great when you sing. Hey, stop being so loud. Darkness goes into the wild. It goes on and on and on. You put your hand up, put your hand down. You wave it and wave it and wave it, wave it, wave it. Take your feet into it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Take your hand in the air. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, Face the music, an electric light orchestra song-by-song podcast is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meats Amalgamated. Contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group. You can financially support the podcast by going to podomatic.com slash podcasts slash LNTCS and click on the PayPal button. Next week, episode 010 in Old England Town, Boogie Number 2.